Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the Cincinnati Bengals and we're south of the Blue Jackets. I'm wearing Blue Jackets stuff today because they won last night. They scored goals. I'm very, very excited about that. It's a lot easier to win hockey games when you score. <laughs> now, do me a favor. If, if you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I am up to 848 subscribers. And as always, I appreciate every single one of you. Now, this show and every show is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys, I tired of the show. Breaking news. Well, sort of breaking news. It's nothing big. <laughs> the Bengals signed not one, but two free agents today. Two of their own. They signed, uh, the Bengals signed long snapper Chris Harris to a one-year contract extension. Now, Harris has spent 12 or 13 seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, this is kind of interesting. I thought this is, I didn't know this about him. Entering the 2021 season, Clark Harris is only one game shy of Anthony Munoz's games played of 185, which is sixth most, most in team history. That's pretty good. I mean, he's 37 years old, I think. He's talking about playing until he's like 40. He's a long snapper. He had a funny comment. He goes, I don't really have a you know, too many skill sets. So especially ones that are paying me, pay me a million dollars a year. So if I were him, I'd snap as long as I could. <laughs> now the Bengals also resigned uh, Jalen Davis. He, um, to basically he was a practice squad guy. Uh, he, they came to, he came to the Bengals midway through the season. He actually got in six games and recorded four tackles. So yeah, Harris, <laughs> you're right, Tommy. <laughs> Harris is going to be a, a national landmark in Cincinnati. Exactly. Big day. Big day in Bengaldom for our, our free agency. But one thing I do want to get to that I've heard a lot of NFL insiders say that there is going to be some big names released next week from other NFL teams. This is good for the Bengals because we are, I think, fourth, I think, with the most uh, salary cap space. So the Bengals, have they, they could do some stuff. I've, I don't know, me and Jeremy and, and, and when Tommy comes on the show, we talk about this a lot. They can do some stuff. Now, one guy that got released yesterday, Cincinnati's own elder boy, tight end Kyle Rudolph, was released by Minnesota yesterday. Now, Tommy actually put the poll up on Crude Nation, and then I shared it on Sports Strawberry Ice. Now, the poll question was, should the Cincinnati Bengals sign veteran tight end Kyle Rudolph? And it's actually a little closer than I thought it was going to be, but we got 184 votes saying yes and 112 saying no. Now, me, I voted yes. I know he's older, but he's still a pretty – solid tight end and i don't think we need I, well i don't think he's gonna break the bank to sign him i mean there might be a guy that that's gonna be out there for a little while that we could sign later on you know like past june 1st that june 1st you, you can get him a lot cheaper 
So that is an option because the Bengals do need to address the tight end situation somewhat. I mean, you only got two. I mean, me and Jeremy said it on here a million times. We are good with Zama being our every down tight end. But Drew Sample stepped up, played really well. And if you get Kyle Rudolph in there, get him in the red zone, get, get another weapon. That's the thing. I want Joe Burrow to get more weapons. More and more weapons for Joe Burrow, the better. Especially offensive linemen. Now, got another question for you. Another guy got released yesterday, and I'm kind of curious if the Bengals, or what do you guys think if the Bengals should go after him? It is linebacker Kyle Vanoy. Now, he got released. He played, I think, with Miami last year. His 2020 stats. Combined for 69 tackles, 23 assists, and six sacks. Now, that's not much far, or that's not far from his 2019 stats. He had 56 combined tackles, 15 assists, and six and a half sacks. So, he hasn't dropped off much, um, but it is an option for the Bengals to try and go after. Uh, we don't necessarily need to really go after linebackers. I mean, I would like them to re-sign uh, jo- or, uh, Josh Bynes. That is uh, – and he was on NFL Network today. I'll get to that in a minute. Nick, what's up, brother? Rudolph was great, but he hasn't been that productive in the last three years. Not a great run blocker. Any – only really red zone threat. Yeah, all depends on how much does he cost. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. I, I would. I don't want to spend a ton of money on him. I think he would be a good red zone option. That's pretty much word for word what I was uh, what I was saying. So I I I think it's something worth kicking the tires on because the more red zone op uh, weapons that Joe Burrow has, excuse me, Joe freaking Burrow has, the better. So. And that's one thing uh, James Rapine came on here and said that, you know, Burrow needs more weapons. And I agree with him. He does need more weapons. We got to fix the offensive line first. We've all talked about that a million times. But he's got, they got to get more people. And the thing is, there's going to be options out there. There's going to be a lot of guys that get released because there's a lot of teams that are right at the salary cap. And the Bengals are in a perfect spot to swoop up and get them. I don't know what the names are. We'll find out next week, but it's going to be very interesting, which will make it a lot easier to do this show. <laughs> uh, all right, crowd, I'll get the Hunter Green in here in a second. I want to get one more thing about the Bengals, and then we can uh, jump into the Reds. All right, Nick, what do you got here? Hold on a second. Uh, da, 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 da. Bring you up. Uh, Van Oy could fit into the scheme for Lou. Who loves dropping edge defenders? <laughs> yes, exactly. I know we I armadillo drives me nuts. I and that's that's I, I brought this up with Tommy yesterday that I'm not I'm not really I think the Bengals should just not address just not saying they should forget about the defense, but they should really go heavy on the offensive side of the ball because I don't trust Armadillo. I don't think he knows what he's doing. <laughs> so I, I know. Anyway, it's just options. They're going to do something. They got to. They got to get an edge rusher. They got to try to shore, shore up some of the p- positions. So they will be doing something. I guarantee you that. Tommy Bengals were 30th in red zone touchdowns, so Rudolph would help there. But I would pass if he's close to 7.3 million dollar salary. Yeah, that, that's where I'm. 
Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I I have a feeling that him and Eifert might be there after June. And after June, the salaries drop. So it, it's an option. I'm not saying run out and go get him now at all, but it is an option that, that they should keep in mind. Because, uh, like I said, they have to upgrade a tight end position. We only got two guys. They need, And I'm not saying a, a number one guy, but they need, need to go upgrade and get a third guy. Like, like I said, if he could be a big red zone threat like Eifert, that's exactly what I'd say Eifert to be. I bring him in just for a red zone, uh, red zone threat. R- Rudolph, same thing. I think, I think personally, I think Rudolph could play a little bit more than uh, Eifert can right now because Eifert just had so many injuries, and and Rudolph is a, a big dude, so he's bigger, bigger and more uh, durable than Eifert has ever been. Now, Josh Bynes, he was on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network and had some very interesting things to say about Joe freaking Burrow. Give me one second here. I want to bring this graphic up. Let's see. Oh, I always do this. It's up. Here it is. I'm bring this up for you. Okay. Now, quoting Bynes, I can honestly see Joe. Now I'm going to add freaking Burrow being an MVP one day in this league. Joe is just fantastic. And I think he brings something different to this game. He's poised, he's confident, and he wants to get better each and every day. I just can't wait to see the future for him. And I think Joe is all in. So those are great comments. I mean, we get nothing but good comments. And the thing is, Josh Bynes doesn't have to say that because he's a free agent. He might not be back here next year. Now, he said he wants to come back here next year. But it's a good, it's good. Uh, it's just nice to hear what everybody's saying about Joe freaking bro. They're, he said they're saying the same thing that we've all been saying. Nick, all right. Let's see here. Get back to the Rudolph discussion. Red zone threat has been productive recently. Jared Coke. Just got released today by the Saints. Yeah, that that one just that one just happened earlier today, right before I went. And so yeah, there's gonna be, like I said, there is going to be a lot of big names that are coming, uh, especially next week. That's from what I'm I'm hearing from my sources, which my sources are <laughs> the radio and NFL Network and friends of mine who send me stuff. But that's what I'm hearing that there are going to be multiple names that are going to be out there that you're going to be shocked. To see, and then it, that might be why JJ Watt signed as quickly as he did. He wanted to hurry up and get the money <laughs> because uh, there might not be as much money out there for veteran guys as, as there has been. So it's just gonna be a very interesting week, a very exciting, a very exciting time, especially being a Bengals fan. Because, like I said, for once. I really do believe that the Bengals are going to spend a lot of money. Now, are they going to spend over the cap? No. Are they going to spend really close to the cap? I hope so. You know, those those are things that, as fans, we want the Bengals to do because we want them to get better. We want them to compete for championships. Like I said, we got Joe freaking Burrow. Fix that offensive line. Get some edge rushers, and hopefully Armadillo doesn't screw it up. <laughs> we might be pretty good. All right, our crown said he wanted to talk about Hunter Green. So we can do that. We can get back into the Bengals conversation, too. If you guys want, just a live video chat is up at the top of the YouTube channel. So you guys can join that if you have 
something interesting you would like to discuss, I'll put it right here in the regular chat again so you can link on it there. But um, Hunter Green pitched last night as the Reds won 7-5. Now, everybody freaking out that the Reds hadn't won anything yet, you know. They can calm down. They scored. They won. They won. Hunter Green hits over 100 miles an hour very, very consistently, which is great. He couldn't control the ball, which is bad. <laughs> so uh, he gave up a three-run home run to Iglesias, former Red. And it wasn't a very good outing. I mean, he looked healthy. His arm's healthy. He's got to get control of the ball and where it's going. If he throws it right down the middle at 100 miles an hour, they're major league baseball players. They're going to hit it over the wall. And he's got to learn how to field his position because he had a grounder to Joey Votto. Joey Votto flipped it up to him, and he couldn't catch it. <laughs> Jennifer, what's up? Welcome to the show. All right, more Bengals talk. Kyle Rudolph since 2017, 200 catches, only two drops. But he does say he's interested in signing with the Patriots. Really? I did not know that. Which is kind of surprising. Why? Would, I mean, I understand it's Bill Belichick and everything, but who's the quarterback? Who be throwing the ball to Kyle Rudolph, and why would he be interested in going there? Why would he be interested in coming to his hometown team? You know, that's that's interesting. All right, Crown, get back to the Reds here. I guess I'm jumping back and forth. Uh, yeah, he had pitched it every year. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. No, I I agree. I'm not. I wasn't complaining about it. I mean, I like that his velocity was there, and he looked nice and healthy. He, he's not going to be up in the majors this year. He he needs to stay in the minors and and make sure he gets his control uh, there. Because if he can get pinpoint control, dude, we got ourselves a really solid starting pitcher. And that's the thing with the Reds. Honestly, even though we lost Trevor Bauer, I'm not that worried about the starting rotation. You got Gray and and and, and uh, 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 Castillo at a, you know the top of the rotation, and then I think Maui's your third, and I really like uh, TJ and Lorenzen as your four or five, or you know, vice versa. I, you go with those. I think our pitching staff's gonna be fine. I'm concerned, like I think everybody else is, is with the offense. You think he needs to be here, Crown? Why? Why would he need to be here? I mean, sorry, dude, that makes no sense. Like you just said, he hasn't pitched in a year, so let him go down in the minor leagues, work on his craft, get better, so he doesn't come up here and get rocked like he did last night. So no, I don't. I don't agree with you. He does not need to be here. He needs to be in the minor leagues and get better because, like you just said, he hasn't pitched in a year. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Tommy Green had velocity. But the issues was what we talked about yesterday's show. No solid secondary pitch. Yeah, exactly. And he tried to throw it a couple of times. It just didn't go anywhere. And, I mean, it's a, it's a short sample size. I mean, it's one inning. I mean, and they had this new thing in spring training, which I, I don't know if they're going to keep it or not, where, you know, the pitcher gets in trouble and he pitches, you know, 20, 25 pitches or whatever. And then the manager can say, all right, we're just going to end, end the inning. And that's what they ended up doing on green last night. All right, Hunter Green's, this is from Nick. Hunter Green's arm talent is there. Effortless velocity, look calm for a 21-year-old throwing his first five pitches since, 
or his first live pitches since 2018. Exactly. And Crown, you're saying we're wasting his year. No, 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 no. Wasting his year, we will be bringing him up when he's not ready. The Reds have done that way too many times to, to players. No, 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 no. This guy is too talented and too good to rush him. Now, we, and the thing is, where are you going to put him, Crown? Seriously, where would you put him? You're going you're gonna to start him? You're not going to start him. You got guys who, who are have started way more major league uh, games than he has. You're not going to put him in the bullpen because they want him to be a starter. So, sorry, dude, what you're saying, I love you, but it doesn't make any sense. You're, you're not going to, and he's 21 years old. I mean, you don't, you don't, it's just like, yeah, exactly. Like Nick says, forcing a 21 year old into major league zero sets. Yeah. It makes no sense, dude. There's no reason to force him, especially he just had Tommy John surgery. You just said he hasn't pitched in a year. That was his first live pitching since 2018. No, you do not bring him up under any circumstance. Cause one, there's no place to put him. you know? So, no, just put him down there in Louisville, let him pitch every five days, and bring him up maybe in September if he does good to do September call-ups, but you don't need to bring him up now. I, I don't I don't agree with you. Other teams do it all the time, so who cares? If if, you, if other teams jump off a bridge, you're going to jump off too? You, the Reds got to do what's best for Hunter Green, and what's best for him is to be in the minor leagues and develop his secondary pitches. He doesn't have them. Look, Chapman. He can throw 105 miles an hour. If it's straight, anybody can hit it. Green can throw 100, 203. If it's straight and he doesn't have any other pitchers, they can hit it. They're major league baseball players, dude. So, no, I don't know. That's your argument doesn't make any sense. You're, you're, you're going to do it because, because everybody else does. Put him at shortstop. <laughs> there you go, Dean. <laughs> he, he was he was a uh, a full time player. <laughs> Uncle Tony, what's up, brother? Hey, the live link's on. You can jump on if you want to. Welcome back. Haven't seen you in a while. All right, here. Nick, other teams put players that are ready or close to ready the majors, but Green is nowhere near ready. Yeah, ex exactly. I, I mean, I think he proved that last night. His arm is major league ready. His arm and his composure is major league ready. But his pitches are not because you you have to be able to pitch in the major leagues. You know, you can't just come up there and fire it 100 miles an hour and expect good results. Because most, like I said, they're major league baseball players. There's a reason they're there. They can hit a fastball. I don't care if it's a, you know 200 miles an hour. They can figure out how to <laughs> time it up and hit it. So, like I said, there's no and there's no reason at all to rush Hunter Green up here. There's absolutely no reason to, to do it. We have pitching. Our starting pitching, I think, is going to be fine, even if we lost Trevor Bauer, which we did lose Trevor Bauer. Our bullpen, I think, is going to be pretty good. You know, our biggest thing is trying to figure out shortstop. Now, like Dean said, maybe put him at shortstop, but I, I don't think they're going to do that. But, you know, it's it, – it, it, so, yeah. And I, I just don't get your argument. Your argument is everybody else does it. Like, that's not really an argument. <laughs> you have to do what's best – for the player and what's best for Hunter Green and best for the Reds is him to stay down in the minor leagues, finish a minor league season at least. Like I said, may, if he does good, maybe you bring him up in September, but I would not, I would not bring him up on a major league roster at all. Now, speaking of the Reds, uh, C. Trent Rosecrans 
tweeted out. Now, the Reds are on TV again tonight, so we can watch them on uh, MLB Network. At 8 o'clock, they're facing the Los Angeles Dodgers. We can get our first look at D. Strange Gordon at shortstop. Now, this is the position that has been the most conversation in spring training is who's going to play shortstop. Now, if you guys watch the show, I've said my opinion where I think they should put Eugenio Suarez at shortstop, move Moose to third, Senzel to second. That opens up the outfield. You have Zen, uh, you have uh, Akiyama in center, DeWink in left, and Castellanos in right. I know it's not a great defensive thing, but this team isn't very good at defense anyway. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think it's either me, Kyle Former, or D, D. Strange Gordon. It's weird saying two, two names. He's not D. Gordon. He's D. Strange Gordon. So we get a chance to look at him tonight. And check out because I mean he came up as a shortstop, and I, the thing is I don't, I think he's actually played the least amount of time at shortstop because when he was with the Dodgers, they had a shortstop and they moved him to second base, and then he got moved to the outfield and different things like that. So he says he's a shortstop. Barry Larkin says he can play shortstop. I mean. To be honest, I think I really do think he's the most athletic guy to do it out of either Farmer or or D. Gordon. And most likely, the mad scientist David Bell is not going to name a starting shortstop. He's going to be able to mix and match and do whatever he wants with matchups and all that stuff. Is what I my honest opinion is. I don't technically think we're going to have a starting shortstop. I think we're going to have Farmer or Strange Gordon, Strange Gordon in there. Say D. I was calling D. Your farmer D is going to be at shortstop, in my opinion. Now we're getting closer and closer to Reds opening day. I'm getting very excited about it. And like I said, I, some Reds fans have jumped on here and said the Reds are going to be terrible and this, this is a rebuilding year and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm not sure what you call rebuilding rebuilding year. This is not a rebuilding year. We, we have a chance to win. I mean, we really do. We have a very good chance to win this division. What would you say, Nick? David Bell. You mean the computer? Is that what you call him? You call him the computer? I, I call him the mad scientist, dude, because he drives me nuts. I I, I mean, I, I've said this before. I, I liked the hire because, I mean, I he comes from a good baseball family. You know, he's a Cincinnati guy. I was, you know, I was pretty happy with it, but the way he manages drives me absolutely insane. Like the whole Shogo Akiyama thing does not make it. What he did to Shogo last year does not make any sense to me. The man is coming over here from a completely different country. He signed into a multi-year deal to play the outfield and lead off. And he didn't even play in the first couple games. I mean, and then when he did, he batted him, what, ninth, eighth? It just that doesn't make, and I think that's messed Shogo up. You know, I really do. And this is where I say, because we have too many outfielders. You know, we have, we have we have enough. We have enough. We have four starting outfielders technically. If, if Senzel is playing center field, if you move Senzel to second, Gino to short, Moose to third, then all the outfielders can play. Shogo can play center field every day. Dewin can play left, and Cassiano's play right. And no. I wouldn't say our, our defense would be great and it might hurt us, but with the analytics that um, Bell loves to use, you know, like I said, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, he lies way too heavy on on analytics and has no feel. Exactly. That's my biggest problem with, with what with what he's doing. That's why I'm kind of surprised that they haven't tried to do this because well, analytics would say, you know, you shift over here and you shift over there and stuff. So that's why to me, if they shifted every other freaking pitch or every other batter, you don't need a great defensive shortstop. And I think they could get away with putting Gino there. But we'll see. Brad, what's up, man? Okay, maybe Bell will suit up and play shortstop, LOL. Definitely would be a revolving door. Yeah, I, that's where I think it's going to be at. And, and I mean, Gino could get a shot there. I mean, he did take grounders, you know, so he he's trying to, to show them he can play shortstop, which he came up as a shortstop. You know, now I know when he he played, people on rounding reds and or rounding home and rounding, I'll get it right, rounding third and heading for home told me he had like 19 errors. So, I mean, I didn't say it'd be a great defensive spot, but the biggest problem with the Reds last year, they couldn't hit. Now, I think it's too, lots of these guys had career low years, batting average-wise. So you got to think they're going to, as Chris Welch would say, is hit to the back of their baseball card. So you got to think, at least hope, that they're going to be better, you know, and hit closer to what their career average is because Moose was lower, Vada was lower, Castellanos was, or Castillos was was a uh, uh, was lower. So you, that's that's one thing you got to look at too. That hopefully you know they will hit more to what their their career average is than what they did. Let's see here, yeah, Dean, yeah. Let's keep putting pitchers in left field. <laughs> yep, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Jared the Renzen, he he. Uh, now, Jared Lorenzen is a – or not Jared Lorenzen. That's the football player passed away. My, uh, Michael Lorenzen, he is the perfect David Bell player. Him and Kyle Far Farnsworth, dude, Kyle Farmer, th those guys can play everywhere. That That's a perfect um, perfect player for David Bell because he can put them wherever they want. If Kyle Farmer even pitched last year a couple of times, you guys remember. All right, Dean, got a question here. Do we bring back the hitting coach? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We bring bring back the hitting. We bring bring back everybody, all the whole coaching staff. No, the from when we went twenty two scoreless innings, we changed nothing except our GM. Nick Crawl is our GM now. But as far as the coach coaching staff goes, it's exactly the same as it was last year. So I'm hoping they come up with a better plan for getting on base because that's one of the biggest problems I had with this team. They don't do any professional at-bats. They don't get on base. This is last year. Now, hopefully it changes this year. They don't, you know, if a guy's on, on you know, second base, they don't hit the ball, you know, in the outfield to, drive, to try to drive a run in. They hit the ball to try to hit a home run. Or you don't hit behind runners. They don't do basic baseball to me. It just seems like they're up there and swinging for the fences, you know? And it, I, that does not – I don't care what the analytics say. They've been playing baseball for over 100 years. That doesn't work all the time. You got to be able to move guys over, get on, get them over, get them in, as George Grand would say. But that's he's right. You have to do that. You can't keep just relying on the home run. And if it's a solo home run, it's one run. It's really not that. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal anymore. It could almost be an inning crusher, you know. So just say you go up and you you first two guys swing and miss and strike out. The third guy hits a home run. Next guy comes up and strikes out, inning over. You're only down. They're only down one run, or the Reds are only up one run. So 
it's not like they're like, all right, we're, you know, we're in this. But if you start off the inning and you get a guy on base and then you bunt him over and he's on second, then you move him over to third base and another guy gets on, another guy gets on, you know, and you keep moving the line, that creates chaos. That creates pressure on the pitcher. And that's what good baseball teams do. They give you professional at-bats. They work the count. And this team was awful at working the count last year. So that's just, I mean, I'm usually very optimistic. And I, I am optimistic. I do think we have a shot of making the playoffs and winning the division. But to me, it just, they got to change what they've done the last two years under David Bell. And I don't know if I see that happening because it's the same offense in 2019 that they had in 2020. It's the same philosophy anyway. So that that's what I, I'm not, I'm not sold on David Bell. I'm not sold on the hitting coach. I'm not sold on anything as far as their offensive philosophy goes. Nick says a bunch of Adam, bunch of guys that Adam Dunn approaches last year. Yeah. And Adam Dunn, man, when he first came up, he, he actually had a pretty good on base percentage, you know, but then he just got into he, I, I, that. That's why the other juggernaut manager, Bob Boone, put him at leadoff because he'd get on base. Yeah, let's put a guy who hit 40 home runs at leadoff. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. All right, Brad, what's up? David Bell will have more games to experiment with this year. He needs to let the players play their positions and get comfortable and hopefully swing the bats better. Yeah. I mean, they'll definitely have more games than last year. It's not going to be a sprint. And the thing is too, I said this last year, since last year is always a 60 game season, they got to get off to a good start and winning teams. Honestly, if they get off to a hot start, it's a, it's a good thing for the season. I mean, let's remember 2019. What, the Reds lost, what, their first eight? I think they won opening day. And then they lost the next eight or something like that. And that pretty much ended their season. And they had no no shot. Last year, they got to a little better start, but still not as good as we wanted. The only consistent time that they had last year was September. I think they won six out of seven series. And one thing I want to say, my opinion, the reason I was doing it, Shogo Akiyama was leading off. And getting on base, his on-base percentage was through the roof during that period. That has a lot to do with it. you got to get guys to get on. And the, the pitcher's got to – if the pitcher's thinking about somebody at first and the next thing, where, where to go with the ball, if the ball is hit and all that stuff, it changes. It puts pressure on them. This team did not put pressure on the, the pitcher, the fielders. I mean, if you're hitting fly balls every day, you know, they're either going to go out or get caught or you, sh you strike out. The defense is not on their toes, you know, against you. So they don't have to do anything. You make it way too easy on them. And that's what I I want this team to not make anything easy on them, on the opposing team. Nothing should be done. Every at-bat you should grind out. Every at-bat you should fight for every inch of that plate, every inch of the base, and fight for everything. And there's too many times where it just they looked lost last year. Now, I know Moose said, Said it best uh, last week, where he was caught. He came to the show, came to the show, came to the to the team, and he said, "Normally, you know, the guys can go hang out after 
after the games, go out to eat or whatever, and he can get to know guys. Well, they couldn't do that last year because of the pandemic and everything. And hopefully this year, you know, by the season starts, hopefully things will be opened up because I know Florida's open. I think Texas is completely open. So hopefully Ohio will be opening up here soon. And that'll help with just getting the chemistry of the team together. You know, getting, I mean, if you're just waking up, like, all right, I'll put it to you this way. If we wake up every day and we just go to work and we go home, we don't do anything, go to sleep, wake up next day, go right back to work, and you just you just keep doing that over and over and over. It's a vicious cycle that if you're playing baseball or not, man, after a while, it just wears you out. And that team, to me, when they went to the playoff game or playoff series against Atlanta, looked wore out. They just looked done. You know, they had no jump. No energy, no nothing. I mean, they, they, they had so much energy, and they worked so hard to make it to the playoffs, to win six out of seven series in September. That looks like they spent it all. They didn't have anything left for the playoffs. So this has been a really long rant about <laughs> the Reds. But hopefully, like I said, I, I am. I do think they have a shot of making the playoffs. And who knows? If they're in it in August, September, maybe they'll pick a shortstop up. Who knows? I think, I mean, I really do think that's their, their plan if if they're in there, but we'll see. Now, as you can see, I'm wearing my Columbus Blue Jackets stuff today because, well, I'm a hockey fan. I might be the only hockey fan on this show or in, or watching me right now, <laughs> but the Blue Jackets won last night 4-1 to one over the Detroit Dead Wings. Now, this is good because they finally scored. They scored 4-1, to one, four goals. I mean, they've had so many games this year where they've scored one goal, no goals. It's It's been a struggle. Now, I thought they would get a little more offensive jump, especially on their power play with the addition of Patrick Laine. It hasn't really happened the way I thought it would or most Blue Jacket fans thought it would. But they got to win, and hopefully Tortorella will get them going and figure out what he has to do to make them tick to get this thing clicking and rolling. Now, tomorrow, you guys, it's a very special show. I'm going to have the son of the guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. Like I said, it's a travesty that he's not. It's Ken Riley Jr. His father, Ken Riley Sr., should be in the Hall of Fame. It's a complete travesty that he's not. Now, he... His son will be joining me tomorrow live at 5.30. And I got some interesting stats here that I want to bring up that I didn't even know about him. And I thought this is some pretty cool stuff. Now, all right, he had Ken Riley Sr. 65 interceptions, which I've said, that's fifth all-time still to this day in NFL history. He's had five defensive touchdowns, eight multiple game interceptions. He picked off some guy named Broadway Joe Namath three times in one game in 1976. Three-time All-Pro and just one of 26 NFL cornerbacks to play in over 200 NFL games. I mean, that's a pretty good stat right there. I mean, I always keep banging the drum that he's fifth all-time still in interceptions. 
And I think his last year, 1983, he was all pro. So these are reasons that I'm very excited to discuss with his son tomorrow and how us Bengals fans are trying to get Ken Riley into the Hall of Fame. Him, we got to get the Kens in. Ken Riley, Ken Anderson have got to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, hopefully, I mean, unfortunately, Ken Riley has passed away. Hopefully, we can get Ken Anderson in there before he passes away. But I'm not wishing ill will on anybody, but we got this has got to happen because we got to get this this dam to break. For summer, there's this big just wall of Bengal players in the Hall of Fame. And there's one little crack we got through was Anthony Munoz. But we need to get a bigger crack and just bust it open because there's so many guys that the Bengals could get in the Hall of Fame and deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Willie Anderson's one. Uh, he's getting close, but he should already be in the Hall of Fame. And, I mean, in his generation, I think him or Jonathan Ogden are the two best right tackles of the, the generation that they played in. Ogden's in. Why isn't Willie in? You know? I mean, you can look at Isaac Curtis. He should be in. And there's so many guys that could be in, should be in, hopefully will be in someday. I mean, Corey Dillon, he's got cleats in the Hall of Fame from, you know, breaking the single-game rushing record. So it's just, it's very, it's a travesty that there's only one Bengal in there, and, and we need to fix that. So I've said this multiple times on the show. There's a petition going around, I think, Bengal Jim. I know it's up on his page. It's up on my Strawberry Ash page, and it's also in Hootay Nation. But a petition for both Kens, Ken Rowley and Ken Anderson, to go sign to try to get them into the Hall of Fame. Now, at Bearcats, I don't think I got to this yet. They have an extra game that we did not – well, because the SMU game got canceled, so – they were able to add another one. Let me bring that up here in a second, and I will tell you when it is. All right. It is scheduled for it's, uh, scheduled for Vanderbilt for Thursday, March 4th at Fifth Third Arena. Tip-off is at 7 p.m. Tickets are available. We all should go there. We thought this last game would be the last one, but we got one more. So hopefully tomorrow night, watch my show, and then go to the Bearcat game. <laughs> now, another thing that was kind of cool, David Julius kind of explained why he was stepping down from the Bearcat program, and that also is I posted in Bearcat Ruckus and on the Sports with Strawberry Ice page. You guys can go there and check it out. It's good read. He's a very good, good, good guy. Very. It's a good read to find out what these players have gone through. And like I said, they are young men. You know, they're eighteen to 21, 22 year old guys. They came there to play college basketball, have fun, go to school, and play basketball. Well, this year. As I was saying with the Reds, you know, they couldn't do anything. Now, the Reds players are older, so they might be more mature to handle it. But some of these guys, it's a mental grind on them 
because they have to get COVID tested once or twice a day just to be able to go practice or go play every single day. It's, it's like you're on a hamster wheel and you don't know what it's like until it happens to you. So you can't judge anybody for how they're handling this, but it's a very good read. I think you guys should check it out. And it's just, I think it's a good, good insight because some Bearcat fans kind of jumped to conclu conclusions and wanted to hurry up and blame Brandon, which is utterly ridiculous <laughs> to, to blame Brandon for, for players opting out because uh, they're concerned with COVID. Uh, they're mentally exhausted from COVID, you know, of what they've had to go through. And for what the Bearcats have done since the COVID break is unbelievable. And I think all the credit should go to John Brandon. I think you guys are banging on him way too much. They've lost two games. Yeah, they got blown out by Houston. Houston's a pretty good team, you know? But yeah, look at this way. I'm still holding out hope. The American tournament starts next week. I think. I think it's like, yeah, next week. The Bearcats got a first round bye, which is good. You don't have to play as many games. Crazier things that happen. You can, they could catch lightning in a bottle and go on a run and win this whole thing. You know, they could, I, I do believe, I said this when we're talking to Melvin Levitt last week, that I didn't think they could beat Houston, but I'm going to change my mind on that. The way these kids are playing, it's going to be really hard because there's, they don't have a deep bench. They're all freshmen and sophomores, but that's the thing. They're freshmen and sophomores. They don't know any different. You know, they're, they're, they're almost too young to really let it bother them, I guess is the thing. So it could be really, really interesting and really, really cool. Just think if the Bearcats went on a run and actually got into the NCAA tournament and kept our streak going would be unbelievably awesome. And it'd be so much fun to watch. And I, like I said, I have said this multiple times that champ week and the NCAA tournament are my favorite times of year. And it's really going to be weird if the Bearcats are not in there. But we'll have to find out. Let's see here. Thomas. Thomas, what's going on? Welcome to the show, brother. What's up? Not much. Just sitting there um, doing a, a lot of YouTube shows. I watched, the, what was it, yesterday, last night, the Reds? Yeah. Yeah, um, I was impressed, kind of. I actually that uh, late, that late second, you know, what we call it, comeback. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good comeback. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I work in the middle of the night, so I had it on the TV on in my bedroom, and I fell asleep. <laughs> so I woke up and I saw they won. I knew they came back. Yeah. But uh, what, 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 what was the best part of the of the comeback? What did, what did the, uh, what were you impressed with? Well, like, um, it seemed like, like, uh, like we, we got a bad in and then it started clicking and, you know, everybody was on, you know, it seemed like that's once good. we hit one, like it, it got everybody, you know what I mean? Well, that's kind of what I was saying is once you, you got, you get guys on base and you keep it rolling, it, it, it rubs off on players. Now the thing is what I, like I said, I wish I could have stayed. I'm gonna try to stay up tonight and watch it. I don't have to be at work, uh, as early. Um, I want to see. 
I want to see professional at bats. That's what that's what I've been saying. I want to see professional at bats. I want to see guys work counts. That is such a big, that's a bigger deal than people realize, I think. Because the, the more you work a count, the more the pitcher throws pitches, the sooner you get him out of the game. So that that's that's a key to it too. Work the count, get on base. If somebody's on first, hit the ball to the to the, to the you know, get get out of the gaps to to to, to move into second, bunt. You know, hit and run, hit behind the runners. Uh, that's the stuff I'm hoping to see. But David Bell, I call him the mad scientist, really hasn't had an offense like that in the two years he's been the manager. So I'm hoping to see that tonight. Like I said, they're on tonight at 8 o'clock, and we can see uh, Does, um, Morgan at short you, but, um, Go ahead, Thomas. There was a pitcher, because we went to like eight different pitchers last night. Right. But- um, I don't remember his name, but he was—he kind of—he very—he impressed me a little bit. Was that later he, on in the game? Was, yeah, he was—he was like uh, I don't know, like sixth inning or something. I don't okay. remember his name, but I don't know. I'm—I'm not—I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to think of his name. There were so many pictures <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, the funny thing is, it actually, should be easier to to uh, keep track of who's in the games this, this spring training because there's not as many minor league guys as there normally is. I mean, they're usually like two, three deep in, in the, in the dugout and it's not like that this year. So it should be, we, we shouldn't be seeing too many, uh, 99s on the, you know, Jersey. Cause that used to be the thing. Oh, you're 99. You're, you're probably not making the team if you weren't <laughs> number 99. But I mean, actually I saw, uh, Kevin, uh, flavor phrase, you know, um, he, uh, signed with the, uh, pirates, and I saw him wearing, I think he's wearing 99 or 98. I don't know if he's going to stick with that number throughout the year or not, but he's not 21. He's Is, is, uh, is 99 a bad number? No, it's just back in the day when I was a kid, nobody wore 99. If it is, all the pirates should wear it. <laughs> just back in the day when I was a kid, nobody wore 99. That wasn't a, a baseball number. That was more of a, a football or a, or a hockey hockey number. <laughs> I was impressed. I was very. I was actually. I'm upset. I'll be real. I'm just very, very impressed. Like, like I didn't. I thought. What? What? Let me see. Um, it was like inning. I don't know. We were down in thick. Still, I think we were still down in the sixth. And it was like, and I was like, oh, it, here we go again. We're gonna, we're gonna lose. Like, I wish we could just. <laughs> I, like, here's what I was thinking. I wish we yeah. could just pull one out. And they surprised me, and they did. Yeah, I mean, they like everybody. Everybody needs to take the the spring training stuff with a grain of salt because people were freaking out that we hadn't scored that many runs in the first two games, and some Reds fans are like, "Oh, here we go again." And I mean, I, I mean, I'm big on we got to score, but I, it's spring training, man. I mean, so I mean, it's good that they that they came back. The thing is, you got to be. I want to see the guys who are going to be on the team. Those are the ones that that I want to see what they're doing, and that's that's they're the ones that got to have their professional bats. They're the ones that have got to come out and pitch well. They're the ones that got to, you know, step up and, and get their work in so we can have a successful season this year. I'm kind of worried about the pitching, honestly. I know that sounds crazy to say, right? But, um, yeah, we lost, we lost Bauer. So, and see, I'm not worried about it because we still got Gray, we still got uh, Castillo, Tyre Malley's gonna be a, a third, uh, our third pitcher. I think it'd be fine. I like TJ Anton. I'd like to see him in the rotation and Michael Lorenzen. I don't know if that's what the mad scientist has, but those are the two guys I would like to see in the rotation. And 
our bullpen, I think, is is going to be fine. I, uh, losing Iglesias and Bradley hurts, but I, I think we'll be, I think we're going to be all right. I'm not really I'm not really too too worried about the pitching. I, I'm honestly I'm more concerned about shortstop and and our offense, to be honest. And and but my biggest concern is David Bell. I mean, what is he going to do? That's you know. And people say the manager doesn't have that much to to do with it. Well, in baseball, it does, especially the way David David Bell manages. He has a lot to do with how these guys play, when they play, where they play, you know, with him moving stuff around so much, he has a lot to do with it. So, you know, most times managers put, you know, some of the same nine guys out there, but not David Bell. Yeah. Um, let's see. Who was, who was, who, I can't, I just, I, uh, how am I blanking on his name? Joey Vaughn, I don't know how I just blanked on that guy's name. He's like, Ancient. Wait, 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 wait! You forgot Joey Votto. Yeah, I got Joey Votto. Sorry, I got like Alzheimer's all of a sudden. Thomas, you're too young to start having memory loss already, buddy. I know, right? But um, <laughs> he, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being delusional. But he, I know he, he played. He, I feel he in spring training he should did a little better than what he did. Maybe that. Maybe it's just me. Uh, but he, he, dude, he always gets off to slow starts. Uh, in his entire career, he's never gotten off to a great start. So I'm not really. Looking for him to get to a great uh, off to a great start because he never has. Now the thing I'm looking for him is his new swing and his new approach. Of it sounds from what I've listened to him and what I've deciphered, it sounds like he's trying to simplify his approach and and not think so much, which I think is great. That's right. I think last year Votto overthought i think joey Votto overthinks stuff anyway but i i think he really overthought if he's sw- basically if he's if he's just swing or not i mean how many times did he checked swing and all that stuff and I watched him last night and i didn't see that i i, I saw a guy just seeing seeing the ball and taking a rip at it and that's what joey Votto did more when he had his better better years i mean he still was selective in his pitches but once he made a decision to swing at it he swung and that's where I think, at least it seems like, like I said, I only watched one game and going by what he's talking about, it seems like that's what he's trying to to do this year because he's not choking up on the bat anymore. He's standing more upright. He's trying to get more more power. You know, he wants to get more power. But Joey Votto's still going to get on base. He's still got he's got too good of an eye not to get on base. He's still going to walk a lot. I think he is more concentrated in trying to drive the ball uh, now. And like last year, he was trying to just, I don't know, just get on base. The on base percentage to him was more important than than driving the ball. Totally and like agree. I said, he, yeah, and I, like I said, he's got too good of eye. He's going to get on base. He's going to get walks. He's going to get that. But we need him to to barrel up the ball and drive it. And I think that's what he's trying to do this year. And thing is, if you hit the ball, you're drive, hitting line drives, you don't have to try to hit the ball out of the ballpark. It'll go, especially if these guys that throw the ball 100 miles an hour. It'll go. So I'm not worried about about that aspect. And I just like I like the approach that it looks like he's taking. Now Crown here says Lucas Sims should be the closer. I'm cool with that, but uh Crown, I guarantee you David Bell is not gonna have a closer. He is gonna have he's gonna want to mix and match. And uh, D- David Bell doesn't want to have anybody set anywhere. <laughs> you know, one thing I've learned from David Bell the last couple of years, he wants he always wants to prove. How smart he is. I think that's more important to him than winning baseball games, you know? But I don't know. We'll see. 
We'll find out. All right, Thomas TC. It's about almost six thirty. I think I'm gonna roll on out of here, but I appreciate you jumping on the show. Thank with you me, for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem, dude. Talk to you later. All right, guys. Like I said it's about six thirty. I think we're gonna start rolling on out of here. I appreciate you guys joining me. I'm going been going solo the last couple of days because Jeremy D has been busy doing his job. I'm like, man. I told him, I said, we just need to start making money doing this so we can just do this as a job. That would be great. I would I would love that. <laughs> but let's get to the Facebook groups that allow me to live stream. And I appreciate every single one of you guys. Hootay Nation, that's where my boy Tommy's from, who's joined the show a lot here lately since Jeremy hasn't been able to. Uh, Ohio State Bucknuts, Cincinnati Reds, rounding third and heading for home. Bearcat Ruckus, the Ice Bar, which the Ice Bar is just a show page and do me a favor if you guys want to join the ice bar you have to answer the questions i keep getting people wanting to join it and i have no idea if, if you even know what the group is so i have questions answer them <laughs> you know you don't answer them probably not gonna let you in because i don't know what you're coming to the group for, group for i don't want you selling stuff i don't want you causing problems because it's a fun group it's a show page just hang out it's a virtual bar I'm trying to keep all the uh the thugs out <laughs> Uh, you can follow me on my social media platforms. They are all under Sports of Strawberry Ice. Facebook, I have 582 likes. I'm followed by 624 people. I appreciate that. Let's keep that rolling. I'm on Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, and me and Jeremy do some silly TikToks when we're bored and we put them up there. So it's kind of fun to check them out. I'll be pulling off the sound here later on tonight, putting it on the podcast. Like, rate, review. Give me a five-star review. I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcast, iTunes, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. I am there. Make sure you subscribe to those. I'd love to get my podcast views up a little bit more. So if you guys are driving around, you missed any part of the show, and you want to listen to it tomorrow while you're at work, check it out. Put it on the podcast and give me some good reviews. That'd be great. Now, YouTubers, the main people. 848 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you, as always. Trying to get that to 1,000 as fast as we can. Getting so close to 1,000. We're creeping up there. We'll get there eventually. Tomorrow night, Thursday, Ken Riley Jr. will be on the show discussing his father's, I call it Hall of Fame career. Should be a Hall of Fame career. As Bengal fans, we need to get behind him, push him over the top, to the Hall of Fame, get him there, get Ken Anderson there, and hopefully get Willie and Corey and everybody else that needs to be in that war, the orange and black. And other than that, it's my boy, Jeremy D, always says, remember one thing and one thing only. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati, so act like it. Who day? And that's your sports, baby. See ya!